Welcome to Mortally Wounded Podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, James. And I'm your host, Chris. Chris, how you going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Just um, hobbing away. Uh, currently painting a Ravenex uh, Jaws, Gnashing Jaws. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Ravenex Gnashing Jaws. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Just getting that ready for a bit of a, a game tomorrow afternoon. But I've um, never actually played with it before, so I thought I'd give it a crack and kind of works nicely with my Legion of Grief list that I'll be taking for that game. So another bravery debuff. So just working on that. Um, I've kind of just been, yeah, just working on in the spells and terrain lately. What about, what about you? I have been painting all things Seraphon ready for <laughs> Sydney GT this weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is going to be the main topic of conversation for this episode. Um, yeah. So yeah, in terms of, uh, I guess hobby progress. I have. Oh, I'm trying to think how far I got up to the last time we recorded. Um, but now I have painted 70 skinks, 15 Saurus Guard, three Snake Bastilodons, three Engines of the Gods, um, a Slan Star Master's Chair, a Skink Star Priest, and an Eternity Warden. Jeez, that's huge. So yeah, for me, that is a lot. Busy. I mean, super busy, but it's all done beautifully too. Like in the contrast paints, um, with all the rainbow, everything's like the color of the rainbow, like the Skittle Sli- Skittle Skinks um, theme you got going on. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, a very bright, um, vibrant army. It's not like anything I've kind of ever done before, um, but I really yeah. like it. Like I think it. I think if I was going to do it for an army, Seraphon are the right army to do it for. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's kind of, I think other armies, like I'd use the contrast, but I'd probably use a lot more medium and just use the contrast a bit um, a bit weaker. So it's not as full um, color, whereas these have just been doing it literally straight out of the pot um, just to kind of see what, what color tone you yeah. got. And yeah, just to get a super bright, vibrant army. So to get used to using the um, the paints themselves and... Yeah, getting getting the skill level up in that area and experiment a bit, see what they're capable of. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, the good thing is they pretty much all go on the same. It's just some of them are uh, a richer kind of, uh, I guess, a higher pigment than others. Um, so some of them are, yeah, a lot darker uh, or more powerful, I guess. Um, and some of them are a bit weaker, um, which is cool. So it's just kind of working out which ones. So like uh generally all of the blues are like really strong really good kind of colors of blue other than the ethermatic blue which is a really light blue but it's not just like a light blue it has a lot less kind of i guess strength um to it like it's a lot less um it's a lot more translucent than the others the others tend to be a bit more Mm. opaque um in their in their color tone um but from what i've seen actually looks like it's yeah Sorry, go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's very, not necessarily watery, but it has a lot less um, strength of color, I guess maybe would be the term I'd use compared to the others. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say that um, it seems to be used a lot when uh, people are doing ethereal effect, effects and things like that. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I would use it for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's cool. Do you have a favorite contrast that you've been using? One that sort of um, just meshes well just like you know you get that those paints sometimes they just go on nice and smooth 
um, and they're just really easy to work with. Is there anything that's kind of like that in the range that you found or? Well, that's the joy. I mean, the contrast, they all go on equally. Like they all just go on yep. like a wash. Okay. So it's not so like it a, it makes it's not much difference. No, it makes painting way quicker. Like it's not like, um, I think that's the thing I've really realized is I was thinking um, in terms of like a time saving, I was going, okay, well, if you say base coating is like 50% and then the washing is 50%, it's actually not. Like if you think about it, it probably actually takes, well, most people like, I don't know, say 80% of the time would be base coating and then 20% of the time to do washes or maybe even 90 10 um mm. but the sh because the contrasts go on like a shade actually you kind of cut your time down to like 10 percent of the time for doing base coats and yeah. also because like you've got base coat wash and then because of the way they're designed it kind of almost gives a highlight as well as a um shade in the recesses because yeah. it spreads more and just goes into the recesses you kind of yeah. get a fake highlight as well so yeah quite a lot of the colors i've found that i've not even been dry brushing or what i've been doing is um i've generally been using tyrant skull as a dry oh, okay. brush because yeah. Yeah. it's quite translucent um and yeah. because essentially all i'm trying to do is lighten the color but i'm using lots of different colors um like i'm literally doing rainbows on the same model so um it would actually be quite annoying and time consuming to dry brush seven different shades of dry brush carefully across the transition points but what i yeah. found is actually i can just use tyrant skull because mm. it's quite it's quite translucent and it's obviously cream so just using a little bit of it you don't really see that it's cream it just looks like a lighter version of whatever color it goes on to so okay. i've generally just been kind of dry brushing everything with tyrant skull and um that seems to be working so um we'll kind of tie tie them all in a bit as well yeah like um, across, your, across your colors and things like that yeah it looks like everything's been highlighted the same um so i quite like it um so yeah I've, i found it's really fast i mean i'm still doing a huge amount of models and obviously like i'm still doing all the basing and everything using the bracken and so on my second box of bracken and then the texture paint as well and doing that and then obviously painting up the base rooms and everything so still time consuming doing as many models as i'm doing um but yeah i think i'm i'm nearly yeah, there and i'm pleased with how the army looks so no it's looking fantastic like saw it uh when you came over last weekend uh yeah they're coming up really nicely and it's amazing how fast you got it out there as well yeah thanks man um what about you what have you been working on well, since our last podcast, I've, um, as I mentioned, the last one as well, I've been uh, in the works. There's a, a bit of a battle reports um, show happening in the background. So we've got three battles recorded now, just um, in the editing process. And so basically a lot of my hobby recently has been driven by uh, the needs for that particular, for the campaign, for the Storm Vault campaign. So I've just been painting up... Um, a lot of terrain for that uh painting up the uh what's the name of the oh yeah the warhammer fortress that's all done that's ready to go for like some siege battles uh that i've been sort of yeah just doing that i haven't really been doing a lot of like model individual models or regiments or anything like that it's been sort of focused on a few other things like in the spells um the oh 
name escapes me right now, but it's the it's the new terrain piece we get this with the Storm Vault campaign. The one that gives you the extra command point and um Oh the penumbral could, engine. Yeah, that's it, the penum, penumbral engine. So I painted that one up because there's actually some uh battle plans in that campaign that uh use that as like an objective and has effects during the game and stuff like that. So been painting that up and painted up some like treasure. <laughs> So like little treasure models. Um, I found it like GammaCon a few weeks ago or about a month ago now. Um, so little objective markers and just to add a bit of flavor to some of the, to the battlefields. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, just working on my, yeah, working on my Legion of Grief army pretty much, just kind of building that up a bit and everything sort of related to that. But as City GT has gotten a bit closer, I've just focused in and bashed out my uh, display board. So I've got one of those secret weapon uh, tilescape uh, things. So it's like, it's like four pieces, put them together. Oh, they, yeah. all click, they all click together and there's like a border that's connected to it as well. So uh, it's really easy for transport because I found that, yeah, like sort of traveling, it's difficult if you've got, if you want to take a, a nice, like a big enough display board kind of thing, like uh, it's pretty tough. So I thought I'd try and get something a bit more compact and this is sort of perfect for that because it all just sort of folds down into four separate pieces. And um, so, yeah, I painted that up and I actually um, was lucky to sort of win just like a random prize from Dark Fantastic Mills. So there's a shout out for, for them. They put up like a, yeah, just a random prize giveaway on Instagram and, I was selected or somehow I was, I was selected and they sent me out some free terrain. So I've got like, you know, the, the deaths sort of Nagash head uh, sort of obelisks and oh, yeah. uh, it's kind of like a, a fallen big sort of statue Nagash looking like sort of tomb Kings looking um, Nagash head. That's kind of, it's like a half a statues. It's like the top half of the statues fallen off and in like yeah. a ruins sort of thing. So um, yeah, so that's going to be one of my terrain pieces. Uh, the obelisk is going to be on the display board. Um, yeah, so I just I finished painting those this week as well. And, yeah, kind of just took a different approach to Sydney GT. Like I kind of, I guess, got a little bit of hobby burnout after my last tournament, which is the uh, War in the West, just trying to bash out a lot of models yeah. beforehand. It just kind of, I just, after that, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so, just I'll just take models that I have and sort of stay within my limits and just take a more relaxed approach and um so yeah just been just been doing other other things I guess so but it's been very rewarding like the hobby pace has slowed down a little bit but it's at a good pace that I'm just enjoying it and not putting myself in any unnecessary pressure because oh yeah just my experience last time was it just kind of took that away from me a bit so just want to keep it keep it chill keep it fun so but um Having said that, I'll probably will end up bashing out another <laughs> army at some point next year. So it comes and oh, goes yeah. and comes and goes in waves, you know. Like so, there's nothing wrong with doing it. It's just that, just so sort of you go through different phases, I guess, with your hobby and just in a more chilled phase right now. Just yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, that's a bit. That's it for me for hobby. What uh, what about games played, Chris? What you um, wh- well, yeah, I, I came down to your your way, obviously in Canberra. Um, sure did this weekend weekend just gone and um just to kind of hang out and um there happened to be a sydney gt warm-up event the age of dave seven and a half i think it was yeah um 
at Jolt Games, so we were probably just going to go and play a game anyway. So we both went along to that, didn't we? And um, yeah, it was good. It's about ten yeah. players for the day. It's just a single day event. Uh, two games, like three hour games, or that was sort of lined up for the Sydney GT um, timings, and um, obviously two thousand five hundred points. And it was a good day. Two games. Yeah, um, it was good, good. Good practice for Sydney GT, as you say. We had good kind of three and a half, I think, hour rounds almost. Um, we were so bucked by the end of the day. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah, I am thinking like, oh my god, this weekend, this Saturday is going to be tough. It's going to be playing that third game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll um, it'll, it should be good. Um, so yeah, no, it was good to get an actual kind of couple of practice games with the um, the actual submitted list because I hadn't actually yeah. played with the the submitted list. I've been getting practice games in with the Seraphon over the last few months and kind of tweaking the list after each couple yeah. of games um, as I feel like I learn what the army's lacking or what's more important. So um, yeah, yeah. Had uh, first game I um, played Dave Hurley. Finally, um, he he grudged me when he heard I was coming down. So we um, got to play a game we've not played before. So um, that was really fun. Um, he's bringing deepkin so um i had to face two units of nine morsar um <laughs> which is always fun um <laughs> and yeah and then he had like an amati corpse i think so um quite a lot of you units of reavers and thralls um yep. which is cool a bit of a different list um and yeah i managed to um get the win on that one um just by one point um we got through three turns but it was pretty even um the turns and i think we rolled to see because it was shifting objectives and yep. then we ro we rolled to see where the main objective would have gone to as well for the next round and it would have stayed where it was which was in a favorable position for me on the far side of the board from the rest of dave's army so um we kind of i think both agreed that with that i'd um probably get the win anyway and i would i've been one point ahead from the first round because dave outdropped me as probably most people will this weekend um and uh he gave me first turn because i think most people just i think he knew i wouldn't be charging across the board and hitting him based on my army and i think most people go okay well i don't want them to have the chance of a double so i'll give it away but i was quite pleased to have first turn because it means i can get my buffs up and get some summoning points yeah. on the table to start with um but it just let me move forward and easily get all three so i got five points and then every turn after that both of us got one of the uh normal objectives and the main one so four yeah, points right. yeah. every other turn so dave was it's, always yeah. um he was always one point behind me um and yes yeah, so that's kind of how the how the game went but he he was very scared of the three snake bastilodons um, <laughs> as, so as it should be <laughs> sent that sent the morsar in but because he'd given me that first turn and I'd managed to get my um I'd managed to get my reroll saves prayer off um thanks to thanks to backup. Um <laughs> I think we'll talk about our lists soon. But um yeah, thanks to backup, I managed to get my reroll saves prayer off, which made a big difference. Um so he he came in, he did a pretty good job on killing two of the Basties, but I managed to take down one unit of nine Morsar in the process of that. Um and then uh yeah he kind of had the other unit and we he played a bit more cagey with that unit um so <laughs> yeah, uh listen, listen, yeah, no, yeah that was a good game um 
Yeah, have uh, it. Dave's always a good, always a, a fantastic opponent to play against. So yeah, we've had some awesome games in the past. Right back to our first CanCon a few years ago, <laughs> where he's um his arc and he arcened me off like curse of years off my two biggest units in successive turns at the beginning of the oh. game. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> we were both flawed. We just, we could hardly walk after that. But anyway, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, pl- I played um, local chap uh, named Jeffrey, and uh, we've we'd actually just met recently. Um, he's he's a war gamer, but he's just new. He's fairly new to Age of Sigma, um, but you know he used to play eighth ed, seventh ed back in the day, and forty k and all that sort of stuff. So he's no no stranger to war gaming. But um, yeah, he brought his uh, Beastman army. And we'd actually played a, a two thousand point game uh, a couple of days prior, so it was actually we were actually quite pleased that we were um, matched up again because it gave us a chance to give it give it another run with some you know bigger list. And uh, I took a very diff- different list to our first game, but uh, uh, my Sydney GT list. I'll just quickly run through it because it's there's not a lot of models. Um, it's basically Nagash, Neferata, Canwraith to carry the brooch, and six Morgast Archai, uh, three units of dogs and uh, Umbral Spell Portal. So very, uh, very standard. It's all about the, it's all about Nagash at the debuffs from Neferata and the Mongol and, um, and the Morgast just getting buffed and going in and wrecking face pretty much. So uh, yeah, he, he had Beastman. He had a whole bunch of, Oh, what he had because he had two cockatrices, he had um, Ungol Raiders, he had the Centaurs, he had Dragon Ogres, he had a Shagoth. Um, his Beast Lord was the general, he had a wizard hiding behind the herdstone, summoning stuff back on. Um, I just loved he had like a unit of Ungors that he just crowded around the herdstone that were just purely there for sacrifices. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's so cool. I was, I couldn't get over that, that was funny, but um. Yeah, so we set up, uh, and he took the first turn, I believe, and he, which works well for me because I actually want. I probably shouldn't give away too much, but I'm, here I am. I'm talking about it now, but I actually want wanted him to take first turn so he could get close to me. So when it came around to mine, he'd be in range for more of my spells. Yeah, make it easier, make it easier for me to get my Morgas over to get into him. So um, yeah, he on my left, he pushed forward with his. Uh, with his uh, dragon ogres and the cockatrices and and his um, bestigors, he had a whole bunch of bestigors as well. But uh, yeah, pushed them over there. Were kind of in a line on the left, and I was able to just send my nine, uh, sorry, my six archai over, and they just went to town on that side of the board. They had a field trip, field day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then that just freed up Nagash and the Mongol to sort of go off to the right and deal with what was going on over there. But he well and truly had that objective on the on the right the whole game, but it was just unfortunate that um every time we rolled to see where the uh, priority objective was going to be, it was always landing in my left, which was very well secured. Yeah, so right. a bit of, a bit of a shame for him, a bit of a turn of bad luck for the priority there uh, for the uh, which objective. So I was able just to clock up more points just by hope, just by virtue of getting that first and well, taking that off him and then just kept on giving me three points and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so 
but it was a learning curve for him because he's still getting to know his army. And, um, of course, we chatted through all, like, capabilities and things, pitfalls and things to look out for and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's just a learning curve for him and just in positioning and when to sort of go forwards, when to hold back and stuff like that. But it's kind of hard with the Beastman army because it's sort of designed just to just to go at you because everything could just run and charge. Yeah. So he did that, but I just had enough I had enough um, combat effectiveness just to like really just fight myself out of that and and just come back and take the objectives I needed, like the center and the and the left. And um, I think had we uh, been able to finish the game, I think we ran out of time time at the end of turn three. Um, had we finished the game, um, I would have ended up just put, sort of pushing over and sort of uh, getting rid of whatever was left on the other flank. So. Uh, but yeah, Nagash went well. <laughs> Got the uh, spell portal out first turn. Um, Nagash handed dust through the portal, took off the shag off straight away. Nice. <laughs> um, next turn, took off the. Uh, oh, I took off one of his. What was it? Oh, I think it was his wizard at the back that was summoning stuff on. As I was like, he brought on some more bestigors and was threatening sort of the rear, and like Neferatos looked. You know, looking a bit, um, you know, she was, she was becoming a target. So uh, I had to sort of stop him from doing that. So next turn it was um, handed us off the uh, the wizard, the summoning wizard. And then, right. um, yeah, I think the third turn I, I took off uh, something else. It might have been his beast lord or I can't remember, but something else was, was taken off as well. Um, but, yeah, it was a good fight, good fun. And I uh, managed to get the the major on that one. But uh, we at the end of the game we realised that neither of us had um, – Remember to choose secondaries, even though it was on the sheet. <laughs> um, tend to do that often. Seems to be a bit of a theme. But, um, yeah, but anyway, that was a, a major. And, yeah, that was my first game. Thanks for the game, Jeff. We'll play again soon, I hope, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, it's pretty brutal if you manage to hand of dust off three things on the first three turns of the game. But um... Yeah, it's just um, it just went well, and um, we, pl- we played the – we played it right, you know, this sort of, I felt like I put it in my right hand the first time, right hand the second time, and I think I put it in my left hand the third time, and he just, yeah, it was just the 50-50 rock, scissors, papers psychology going on there, and I just managed to come out on top in that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be, yeah, it's always funny because your opponent's like, oh, man, that so, sucks, like it happened, but then at the same time you're like, oh, I've paid 850 points for this dude, I'm expecting... Hand of uh, dust to go off every turn. So, oh, he um, was, he, yeah, he was, he was really good about it. He wasn't salty or anything. He's like, "Wow, that's amazing. That's like, that's, that's, that's good. That's that's really, yeah." He, he was, yeah. <laughs> you could tell there's a bit of a little bit of shock in his eyes, but no, he took it like a champ. He was, he was not salty at all. He was a really good sport. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, what about your second game? Yeah, uh, I'll quickly just go through my list because I guess I didn't. Um, oh, yeah, we probably should. Yeah, I got Seraphon, so I've got my Slan, um, who's the general great rememberer, so he's got the double teleport trait. Um, Eternal um, Eternity Warden, who is his bodyguard, basically, so he has Ignax Scales just so that he gets a mortal wound save against wounds when it passes off from the Slan on a two-up, um, just to try and keep him well keeping both alive really but really just to be extra wounds for the slan um and then he also leads the three units of five um saurus guard in the eternal star host 
so um that is three of my four battle line units and they all basically get to a two up save and they naturally ignore rend one anyway and then they kind of get um like plus two bravery when they're near heroes so they're like bravery 12 so they don't run away um and they have a two up save ignoring rend one um and they can get d3 damage if they don't move or charge so if people charge me basically so they're pretty they're pretty defensive which is nice um now just got a unit of 10 skinks as my fourth battle line um and then i've got three bastilodons with snakes so the arcs of sotek which most people don't really take them people tend to take the laser beams but i think the snakes are way better because they work in both uh, both turns of a battle round um they're really good counter to msu um not so mm. good against single units but by taking three of them it just compounds their efficiency um so because it happens at the start of each combat phase it can actually take chunks out of units or knock monsters down a tier or two before they get to attack yeah um and they're really defensive like they've got a three up unrendable save and a four up mortal wound save so um it can take quite a bit to actually shift them um and then I've got two engines of the gods for summoning, and then a skink star priest, um, basically who's there just to try and summon cogs, um, and that's for my slan <laughs> to then manipulate and turn backwards so that he can give up a fourth, uh, an extra spell, so he can give up all four spells to generate twelve summoning points a turn, um, and then yeah, the engines just try and spit out more summoning, and then I've got two skink priests with celestial um, with uh, priestly trappings and that's just so that it uh, on a four up all seraphon units within an eight inch bubble get to re-roll saves runs and charges till my next hero phase so it just mm -hmm. makes my whole army incredibly tanky um and then if i want to teleport stuff as well it means i've got a re-rollable charge um and stuff like that so um yeah, yeah nice. it's, it's very hero and monster heavy um it's a really small army um in terms of model count um but yeah, it's um it's been fun. So what did you what did you name your characters? So they're all spelt um kind of like in the old world where you had like um teeny weeny and stuff like that that was spelt um weird kind of Mayan or Aztec y um but lots if you of, lots of X's and things like But yeah, if you pronounced it phonetically then you could get silly names. Um so I've sort of done something similar. So um my slan is Mystic Frog. Um <laughs> the the Eternity Warden is Bodyguard um and then the engines are friend bringer and pal caller and then mm -hmm. the star priest is cog summoner and then the two uh skink priests are tough maker and backup <laughs> tough maker and backup <laughs> um, <it>. because <laughs> literally that's what they do so i just know everyone what their job is <laughs> why not <laughs> um so yeah it's funny um so I always make sure I roll Tough Maker first, and then if he fails, then I roll back up because that's his job. It's a good way to help. Good way to help um, remember what to do with your army <laughs> and what everybody exactly. does. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what does he do? Oh, bodyguard. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's he stays, stays there. Yeah. I'm, I literally am telling my opponent what my army does. So there's there's no um, there's no shenanigans. I'm being very open and honest. Yeah. So um, how much do you want to um, give? A, how much do you want to give away for your like this army? prior to city gt 
I think I've already done it. I've basically just yeah. explained what every, everything does. Yeah, Slam yeah. tries to summon the the Eternity Warden, tries to keep him alive. Um, I suppose in, in a way, keep... it saves time at the table. And... <laughs> yeah, if people, the priests try and keep are... everything alive. Mm. And uh, yeah, I basically try and summon while my Basties and my Temple Guard kill stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and the snakes um, go sneak, go slithering. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hoping I get paired against a few like really heavy MSU armies and I'm just like, yes, snakes. There's a few on there yeah. uh, from there. Yeah. I'd love, I really want to play Smorgan because his army is like 20 million drops and against my army, it'd be perfect. <laughs> well, see what happens. Hey, have you, um, have you grudged anyone? No, no, Take, um, seeing, seeing where the, where fate takes you. I was going to grudge tubs. Um, but he already had a grudge with Clint. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so um, yeah, I just decided we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, just see where the where fate where fate takes you. Yep. Very cool. Um, and um, so yeah, yeah my second my second game was against John Lamp. Um, yep. And it was my first experience of Slanesh. So Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can, can can confirm depravity is a bit silly um, <laughs> i mean I, I i could i could tell just from like reading the rules and looking at it that depravity seemed a bit cheap for how you'd earn it um mm. and yeah that was basically kind of the game i it, if he couldn't bring so much back with the depravity then i think it'd be fine um but even so there was a couple of there was a couple of silly things um so um it was kind of swinging, like it was pretty close. Um, I think I was starting to edge it on turn three. Like turn three, I was getting through his stuff, and he'd used a bit of depravity. I felt like he'd used most of it on his turn three. He, he had like eight points left after bringing a load of stuff on turn two and turn three, and I was like, okay, cool. But then the next turn, he had like fifty again, and I was like, oh my god, how? Um, but his basically his whole army was just characters, pretty much, and so I was trying to not. Yep target the characters um like <laughs> intentionally yeah. on my turns because i i knew i didn't want to feed him depravity on my turns so mm. if he's if he's only generating it in his turn then he can't spend it because he has to spend it at the end of his movement phase so okay. really it should be before he's done damage so generally i know that's how you're supposed to tackle slanesh is not feed them on, on your turn um okay but so my first turn, I definitely did that. Like I didn't give him any. I just I had very little shooting and stuff anyway. I just pushed forward, claimed the middle objective um, with my Bastilladons, tried to get my buffs up, although they both failed on my priests. Um, oh, but we were okay. playing focal. We were playing focal points, so I got the two on my side and I got the middle with my three Basties next to it. So if he wanted to get the middle, he was going to come straight into snake range. Um, but obviously then he just charged me with most of his army, which I kind of was expecting. Um, and so my Basties were good. Like I, I killed, I killed a lot of his stuff, but because it was all heroes um, and the snake Basties do like chip damage, it actually yeah. was like, it was giving him loads of depravity. Mm, no. um, and because yeah. my army is pretty much all monsters, like so multi-wound, like monsters and heroes, he was just generating depravity with everything he killed and then i like he 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 sent in shalaxi and took out an engine and then my five temple guard killed shalaxi um 
because they're all d3 damage which i don't think he really realized but then shalaxi's 13 depravity just from me killing her mm. um anyway yeah. and yeah so she kind of the, the keepers like refund like i think it's about 43 percent of their cost just from dying let alone then the the wounds they actually need to do um and he had a couple of the big exalted chariots with um heralds on as well so they're kind of they're 10 wounds each um so just killing them is nine wounds and i think they cost is nine depravity and they cost 18 so literally just me killing them it refunds 50 percent. so me killing his two chariots in the list he can literally bring one back without them needing to even do anything wow. um that's so strong so yeah, the the yeah they're just the table is just a bit too cheap um and the attrition like i was i had a summoning army and i was okay like bringing on a couple of razordons and teleporting them across the board to, to like sneak objectives back off him but eventually he kind of came across um and was able to get into my slan with the keeper of secrets with a thermal rider cloak um running and charging um and with a double pile in was able to go into the eternity warden and then the slan and take them out um and then basically once the slan's gone i can't summon anything more um because he killed my engines and then i lose that ability to just teleport and drop stuff down but i think the attrition anyway was just too much i think um he got priority into turn four and if i'd got it i'd have been i'd just been able to push back against because he doubled me two to three i think and then i was able to push back um and kind of take all of the objectives apart from one on one turn and then it came to a priority and it mm. was basically like if i got that priority then i'd have been able to clear off the other objective and had a whole turn of scoring all of them um yeah. and he'd have been in a worse position but he got that priority which let him then um like double me back and take all the objectives back and then kill off my summoning uh, kill off my land so um mm. it kind of yeah it came down to who who got turn four priority so um I still felt like I, I was in the game and I think if I did it again, I could play it differently. Um, it was a stupid thing just at the start because it was casual. I just um, was like wrapping my engines and stuff with my Saurus guard and I just put them just over two inches away from the engines because I just thought the Keepers of Secrets only had like a two inch range. And I could have, I literally just should have asked him what's the range because I just assumed yeah. it was two. But then he came in with Shalaxi and she's got a three inch range on both her weapons and so then he just went, okay, I'm going to hit your engines. And so I, lo I lost my engines when I literally just didn't need to because yeah. I had didn't I had the turn. I had all the movement. I could have just put my guys 3.1 away, which I should have done anyway. I just, I think in safety, I should have done. Um, yeah. So I lost my engines before I had a chance to summon because I neither of them summoned on the first round. Um, so they were both useless because they, if they don't summon in the first round, if you're not 18 apart, they can't hit anything with the even if i get the 25 inch laser beam yeah um so they That's were true. wasted they were wasted the first round and then i lost them in the second when i didn't need to um so yeah that put me on a back burner because um yeah as soon as i've lost those engines i lose the ability to summon in mass quantity of skinks and stuff which skinks would have been great in that matchup because they're all only one wound um and it's loads of bodies, which is the one thing Slanesh don't have. 
Um, mm. So I was I was quite a easily able to like outnumber on objectives and stuff when he only had a few heroes and obviously he needs to hold objectives because the second he moved off I'd just teleport something like a razor on just onto the objective and take it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was conscious of just trying to shoot his bodies, um, which was just like trying to shoot the chariots that weren't heroes. But the snake basties was almost to my detriment because they hit everything within eight and he was like just mobbing me with heroes. So they were all building up depravity every turn because it was my turn and his turn. Um, so it was kind of a weird thing where the engines were good because they were damaging everything at once, but not necessarily killing it. Whereas Slanesh love that. They're like the weird army that actually loves it if all their heroes take a chunk of damage all at once. Um, yeah. And then fighting monsters with multi-wound. So um, yeah, I think I needed more skinks um, and stuff like that. And yeah. So no, it was cool. It was it was definitely good to actually play it and get yeah. the on the table experience of it. Um, yep. To kind of try and see where where I went wrong and if what I was doing was right, and just to try not to underestimate them. Um, yeah. Well, you're a lot you're a lot better positioned now to um to play Slanesh because you kind of I think just it sounds to me it sounds like just that positioning there with that three inch attack and everything kind of really threw you out. So like if if you just make sure you don't do that again, um, you should be setting yourself up, you know, get some summoning and start to get those bodies out, like you were saying, and I think you've got the tools to to deal with it. So, yeah. I think yeah, I think fine. so. You'll be um, fine. You'll be fine. In, but also, I'm not, I'm not trying to play. I'm not really coming with GT to try and be super competitive and, and do as well as I can. Like, I've, I've got a list that I think is decent, um, but it does its strength massively flips one way or the other dependent on a couple of roles so like yeah. if my if my prayer goes off it makes a massive difference to my survivability um and then if my summoning goes off or doesn't it makes a massive difference to my ability to like have models and play the game so yeah. if if things go well i think i should be very comfortable in my games but equally if a couple of roles don't go my way then i can really struggle um yeah. But I'm just people will see from the weekend that I'm just there to to have fun. I'm gonna make the most of my little uh my little games of trying to roll summoning <laughs> on the engines and snaking people with basties um and paint and painting the rainbow. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, um but yeah, how about you? How's your second game? Because uh, uh we're we're both on one win, so both on one win and so I got paired with um a guy named Daniel and yeah, he was. He brought Nighthaunt, so he had a whole bunch of. He had two battalions: had the Executioner Horde and the Shrieker Host. I think not the Shrieker Host, the other the one with um, with the Blade Geists and the and uh, Shroudguard. Shroudguard. That's it. Yeah. So he had that, and um, he had Morgul, <laughs> and he had Alinda Ragnar, of course, the Blade Geists. Spirit Hosts, Executioner, Knight of Shrouds. Um, and he put in the Underworld, like, a, I think it was a unit of 20, 30 um, Chain Rasps and Guardian of Souls. So, yeah, we, we deployed up and, yeah, we sort of pushed, pushed forward and it ended up being a bit of a grind fest uh, with the, you know, because I was basically using Neferata's spell, Dark Mist, to, I was using that to make the, the Archai uh, Ignore Rend. Yeah. And so it was like four up reroll ones on my side and four up 
for him. And we both of us had our six up save. So it was, it was just like grind, 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 <laughs> just keeping back away from the objectives. And um, by the sort of end of turn two, turn three, I was pretty much dominating the um, objectives. Um, Nagash uh, was doing well, just going ham in the center. The Morgas were carving up on the, on the right. Um, but yeah, just spirits just kept coming back. <laughs> His uh, black coach was kind of on their flank, just slowly chipping away at him every turn. Um, in this game, um, I got Hannah dust through, but out of th- uh, three out of the four, three out of the five turns, um, that I cast it, he um, he picked the um, hand with the dice. So every time he he evaded Nagash's hand. So uh, it was kind of he was he was really clever. Like somehow he got into my head, and I was the <laughs> one, I was the one freaking out about the choices and where which hand I was going to put my dice in. So it really it was funny. It was like, hang on, you're supposed to be the one getting psyched out, not me. But um, yeah, so you, you, you just got to have you just got to have swagger when you do that and just look them in the eye and be like, yeah, which hand are you choosing, huh? <laughs> Huh? Which one are you choosing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I uh, so I didn't didn't hand a dust, dust anything off this game, but um yeah, I was just able by just by sheer damage output and being able to hold his guys in place um with the Mongol Neferada. Um we had a bit of a Mongol off, so they're like everything's at minus one to hit. Then Neferada's in as well, making all his stuff minus two, his Mongol making all my stuff minus one, so <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Very, grind, very grindy, but um, yeah, was able just to grind them down and just get up on objectives and and take away the win. Get got my secondary on that one because I remembered to pick it. Um, but yeah, it's just a fight. Uh, but that was the assassinate one, so I just had to kill Lady Alinda, which um, Boom. wasn't yeah, wasn't um, too tough because she's only a seven wound hero. Oh, and um, also that would have been like that's the one thing is yeah, Nagash is expensive, but if you're playing death. I, f- I still kind of feel like you want to take Nagash because if you don't and you play against another death player and they have Nagash, all those points you've spent on wizards are just benefiting your opponent because yeah. Nagash knows the spell of all death wizards on the on was, the table. I was using all his um, night haunt spells against him as well. So yeah, I mean, Olinda has an amazing spell, grief stricken, like minus one yeah. to hit and plus one to hit for your stuff. Yeah. So yeah, Nagash that. taking <laughs> that is phenomenal. Yeah, I was using that on the um, yeah, just whatever the priority unit at the time was, whatever was threatening Nagash pretty much, or something that needed to be um disabled. <laughs> yeah. He was putting it on me as well. He actually, she actually put it on Nagash um for a couple of turns before she went down. Yeah, right. Um, but it didn't make a difference. Um, but yeah, he used uh, Wraith Storm, which is Reichnor's spell on yep. Reichnor. <laughs> um, just so that is the... to injury. Uh, just to add insult to injury, and I love Ragnar. I've been playing with him a lot lately, so I know how good that spell is. Um, yeah, it's a good spell, but um, it was just fun, and that was fun. He was really good, um, really good to play against. Um, yeah, his uh, his uh, black coach uh, just eventually killed, ended up killing over the course of four turns or something, was the main contributor to getting rid of the Morgasts. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. So I, kind of, I got a bit, I got a bit, um, I got a bit slack in that game because I was up up on points. I just should have kept them better supported because I had Nagash, Neferata, and the Mongol on the left doing, you know, just taking care of business over there, and the Morgas on the right, and they were holding that down, and they 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 took that 
you know, the objective in his territory, which um, gave me the points I needed because I had just kept my two, kept a unit of direwolves in on each of the objectives in my territory. Yeah. And Can Wraith on the right as well. Um, yeah, he sent the executioner over and had a bit of a duel with the Can Wraith. The Can Wraith managed to hold on with one wound um, through several rounds of combat. Um, and the dogs was, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm actually really, really happy with the list. Like, I did try like a practice game with a, a list very similar, but um, had Arkin in it, dropped the Mongol, put Arkin in, uh, had some chain rust instead of one of the unit of dogs, but essentially the same sort of build. And I just found, I just had a lot more fun with, and got more use out of Neferata and out of um, the Mongol combo. Just yep. um, And just really enjoyed playing the list. It's actually, like, I wasn't really expecting it to, like, you know, I knew it would, like, do well in combats and things like that, but I wasn't expecting it to dominate objectives or anything like that against Horde armies. But I played Beastman, Horde army. I played Nighthorn, which is fairly Horde-ish sort of army. Um, and I dominated both battles um, with fewer troops. I think it's just the... Nagash obviously is Nagash. He does his thing. He's um, powerful in combat. He's awesome with magic. Uh, the spells that I chose were Overwhelming Dread, um, Vile Transference, um, Amaranthine Orb was on Nagash, and he was using um, Soul Harvest from um, that Neferata was taking. And yeah, the Canary just um, took the, he was just there for the brooch. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's kind brooch of, I started off, Brooch Caddy, yeah. <laughs> I just, I start off with, Obviously, purchase a command point. So two at the start. I put up Nagash's, put up Neferata's command abilities, and if I get if I get one of them or both of them back, then that's just a bonus for the next round. But I'm always putting Nagash's ability up, and if I miss out on a, a turn with Neferata, then so be it. I've still got the yep. Mongol there doing a minus one buff, and I've still got Overwhelming Dread to to bring it or bring it on even more of the potential double cast. So it's yep. um yeah, it's it's got legs. Like I, I definitely I know it's not gonna. It's not going to win the tournament or anything, but um, I'm actually quite pleased with how it's performing so far against lists that I thought it wouldn't really do well against. So, um, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, grudging um, first up with um, with Sean Ratcliffe, so with his oh, yeah. uh, Slaves of Darkness army with all, like, the, the MSU um, uh, Chaos, Chaos Warriors. He's got, oh, like... that's an army I want to play with my <laughs> So I, think I should have, I should go through the list quickly now and find like the really high MSU armies and just be like, <laughs> oh yeah, let's crash. <laughs> so yeah, like looking forward to playing Sean. We've it's been a while since we've had a game. Um and yeah, that's why we decided to grudge because it's just been ages. And uh yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um I think um I don't know how my list will go, but based on last weekend's uh performance, I don't think I'm out of the game with that with that list, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, I can't remember what the first scenario is on the weekend, but. Uh, I don't think we know the order. Um, oh, we just know what. I, I just um, know that it's, um, yeah, it's we just know one, the of, realms. The realm, one yeah. of the realm of metal ones. Um, so I think it's, oh, honestly, I can't remember. I think it's star strike focal points. Uh, and I'm not sure. I was springing yeah, up. I can't remember, to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. No, so I'm, cool. I'm keen, keen to see how we go. Um, looking forward to it. Sean, if you're listening. <laughs> look, I'm a little bit terrified of your list, to be honest. <laughs> Just there's a lot for me to deal with there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll throw the Morgast in. We'll throw in a Gash and Neferata and then Morgol in. 
and um, see how they go. <laughs> Hopefully we can debuff you enough so you can't hit me. <laughs> the John Cena of the Mortal Realms army. Yeah. But um, the idea was as well behind this list, like, is, yeah, we've got three hours, 15 minutes to finish our games. Um, and we had that amount of time last weekend in the warm-up, um, but I still found uh, didn't we only got to turn three um, versus the the Beastman army versus Jeff. So to get through the five turns with um, the Nighthorn, but it went through to the, like the full three hours, 15. Like I was, we finished about 10 minutes before time is up. So I was kind of choosing a lower model count army with potential to just get flattened or to do well real quick. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the games are going to still be getting played out to the three hours. <laughs> um, yeah. No matter what. But yeah, I just was hoping just to take a, take that in, in order so I could finish the game within a you know fairly quick time or quick enough time to allow for a bit of uh, social interaction in between games. Go grab a beer, chill out, have a chat, yeah. see, what's, see what else is going on, check out the armies. And so I just find tournaments are like you just kind of I just find I'm finishing games at the last minute and then I'm rushing to the next game and I just need a chance to talk to people as much as I'd like and all that sort of thing. So hoping for a more social sort of event this weekend, but yeah, we'll see how we all go. Hopefully we all can all finish our games on time. Yeah, I mean that's I've I've done the two and a half thousand point tournament in Australia like every year for the last three years, like RCGT the first two, and then yeah, um, obviously this one. And I have to say, last year at RCGT we only had like two hour, two and a half, two hours forty five, and everybody there made the comment of it. It just is not enough time. Um, yeah. and you were, people were only getting through like two turns um mm, so kind of yeah. when when anthony said look this year is going to be two and a half thousand for sydney dt we said okay if you're going to do it you have to have at least three hour round times and to his credit he's done three and a half hours which is brilliant i don't think yeah. you could probably a lot more um and i think people knowing like going into it knowing that you still probably need to be reasonably prompt yeah. with your with your decision making and stuff I you think, will yeah definitely i think you can do the games in three and a half hours like um yeah. i know that i've been like really speeding up my hero phase and just getting yeah. my head around what i need to do and what i need to think about in terms of the timings and the the order of stuff so that when i'm there i can just go okay this 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 blah 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 and i know against um like i know against dave and like my first few turns like were pretty quick before the game gets started to be honest so um like before my opponent yeah. starts moving up their models and everything like it was actually pretty speedy so um yeah. i think i think if you're conscious of it it shouldn't time shouldn't be a problem for everyone i still yeah. think you'll the games will go to time but i i think you'll be able to finish them well at least if it is going a bit slow you might be able to crack out that third turn instead of having a two turn win or something yeah you know, yeah 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 it's definitely still play still play little hearts out <laughs> while you're out there yeah yeah cool so that was a good event thanks um dave for putting on the event dave kokorin so the local legend down here puts on a lot of events locally He's just started a narrative event this week so if you're a Canberra listener uh go check out the age of dave uh events uh on facebook and on Jolt, they usually get put up in there. So yeah, get definitely rally behind behind him and get get the uh, get the scene up and running. Um, we get we got events down here. Um, people, yeah, we got a we're a small group building. Um, can only get bigger, 
and um, it's guys like Dave that really make it happen. So yeah, thanks, thanks for all your efforts, man. Really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, get in, get on board, peeps, Canberra peeps. Let's do it. Yeah, and um, Jolt Games as well for anyone that is in Canberra. Um, it's a really great space for gaming. Like it's really big, open, big wooden um, tables that have got a good sideboard. So there's plenty of space for your models and everything. Um, Heaps of terrain. Yeah, really nice open store um, and stuff. So, yeah, it's a really great space, actually. I'm quite jealous that we don't have something that kind of size. Um, it's pretty much the go-to um, the go-to place down here in Canberra. So, so yeah, if, you, if you're in or awesome. around Canberra, definitely go check out Jolt Games and get yeah. some um, get some games in there because um, it's a really good space. Yeah. It just which also reminds me, um, as, as we all know, CanCon's coming up January next year, the Australia Day long weekend. Uh, Travis from the Heralds of War has been organising a special hobby uh, masterclass event with uh, Vince Venturella from um, Warhammer Weekly. So uh, just head on over to the to the Heralds of War uh, Facebook page and get on get on board with that. Uh, tickets are one hundred and fifty dollars, I believe. There's two sessions: uh, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. That's the day before CanCon. Um, for those who don't know Vince, he's um, uh, one of the YouTube legends, amazing hobbyist, puts up incredible work and um, really known for his uh, uh, sort of hobby cheats um, series and obviously the Warhammer Weekly where they talk everything Warhammer and um, very current with what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, 150 bucks a ticket but well worth it. And if you're in town the day before, I uh, should make the effort to get down. And I think there's only 20 spots per uh sessions so they will they will go quick so um get on board with that now um yeah that's all i got to say about that yeah i think he's a what he's definitely a multi crystal brush winning painter um for anyone yeah. i can't i can't believe you'd have heard of us and not heard of vince so um to be yeah. honest but yeah just in case you haven't um yeah and it's worth saying as well you don't have to be attending cancon or um or age of sigmar at cancon to um go to that masterclass. it's completely no. separate yeah um but separately yeah. organized yeah and um yeah, i'll be I'm there sure i'll be there on the that. day um i'll be one of the one of the bodies on the ground helping out um travis with that so um yeah get get amongst it people um and i guess while we're plugging stuff um there's tickets up for uh travis and clint have been uh, putting out the a Nurgle army, Clint's uh, sorry, Clint Adam and Travis have been uh, creating a Nurgle army with the Travis obviously doing the majority of the painting, and I think Adam did the bases and stuff. They're uh, putting up a raffle, uh, and the proceeds of that will go towards charity. So you can, with your ticket that you buy, you can choose for it to go to the RSPCA or to oh shit, cancer the other one. research. Ah, uh, yeah, the um, cancer council. That's it. So yeah, that. Head over to Herald's page, check that out. And last but not least, there is, I think you've got $500 to go for bringing over um, Rob Symes from Honest Wargamer. So I think, I think, yeah, I think it's only a couple of hundred now, to be honest. So, yeah, so get on board with that as well. Um, get on the Facebooks and um, throw some money around and uh, make a <laughs> make the world a better place. <laughs> And yeah, play I mean, Warhammer. They, 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 play did Warhammer. Great, <laughs> they did a great job of uh, coverage and stuff last year. So, um, yeah, it'd be really good to have them over and make sure that the Australian scene gets the 
kind of coverage that it deserves for being the largest Age of Sigmar event in the world. Yeah, and that's legit. <laughs> Was that 240, uh, 239 tickets sold out in less than 12 hours or 13 hours or something? Yep. And I reckon it, was sold out. it would have sold out faster had it, like the tickets dropped during the day because <laughs> I think they dropped at midnight. So a lot of people were staying up late and then it crashed after like five minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it was, yeah, it's pretty epic. It's pretty funny, actually. I was on night shift that night, so it was all right. <laughs> I just kept going out every five minutes. It was all right for you. I was one of those people panicking, going, no, I'm not going to get a ticket. <laughs> I managed to get one just before it crashed, I think. So I remember going back into my desk and then, just logging on, checking out the uh, the site to see how many tickets were left, how quickly it was going, and yeah, it had crashed. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I uh, I was up till like quarter to one in the end, and then had to give up because they closed the they closed the server down and um, said it will be back up in the morning. And um, yeah, I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to get one. Um, but yeah, no, it was all <laughs> it was all okay. But yeah, still, it's going to be. Awesome. If you didn't, if you're listening and you didn't get one, never fear. Uh, get on the waiting list. Just send the send the heralds a a uh, email uh, to get you on the wait list. So I know there's um, a lot of people that missed out. So things always happen between now and then. Uh, so you never know, just get on the list and you might still might get a ticket. So as far as I know, Clint's not going to increase the numbers. So don't go throwing around any of those make it 300 hashtags. No, do go around throwing those make it 300 <laughs> hashtags. And then eventually he'll crumble to peer pressure. <laughs> Leave the poor guy alone. <laughs> Make it 600. Make that it 600. would be too much. No, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got like one, ones like that in the States, don't they? For like doubles events uh, and things? Like I think 400 events. I think LVO does it for 40K maybe, yeah. Yeah, so it is possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, should we take a quick break there and then maybe we'll come back and I think we're going to discuss the Sydney GT player pack. Sure thing. And we're back. So I think we're going to have a bit of a chat through the player pack and the battle plans for Sydney GT this coming weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, at Canterbury Leagues Club this year, which is kind of Western Sydney, uh, greater Western Sydney, I think. Um, it's, the, it's for the home of <clears throat> home of the Bulldogs. The home of the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, so that's literally all I know. Um, but yeah, it should be should be good. Big leagues club, so obviously it's a licensed venue, which we call. Cool. Um, I think there's it's a bunch true, of food. There's a bunch of different yeah restaurants and stuff there, so there'll be plenty of different options for food and drink. And um, hopefully, most people will stick around for for dinner and socialize afterwards as well. Because I mean, for me, it's the biggest part of events. Really, is the socializing and stuff afterwards. So, um, yeah. hopefully, people stick around for that. Um, and not have any choice to because <laughs> it finishes at 7 30 p.m so on the first day so that's just in time for dinner no exactly. excuses exactly <laughs> um so yeah it's a pretty early kickoff that's the thing with two and a half k if you've been given the time for the rounds so you have to start early and finish a bit later so yeah registra registration starts at 7 45 in the morning um <laughs> and then first game kicks off at quarter past eight so make sure you're there nice and early everyone um so yeah then it's three hours 15 around so um yeah then 
first game will finish up and then it's everyone's setting up their armies for the painting voting and stuff um and then like kind of doing that and then having lunch um so that's pretty cool we've got um an hour and 15 minutes for lunch so hopefully that's long enough to set up armies and get food and come back and vote for the painting um and then game two from quarter to one till four we've got a 15 minute break and then game three from quarter past four till seven thirty. um so it'll be a long first Ooh, day but that's um like what so 7 45 in the morning 17 night. No, that's almost 12 hours from go to woe and that's yeah. not including your travel time either side so that's that is warhammer my friends <laughs> yeah it'll be it'll be tiring it's living, but it's called it's called living the dream that's what it is but i think when you're there and you're like playing in the third game you're like oh actually like once we finish this game it's dinner time and you just get to hang out with everyone and you kind of get a bit of a second wind i always find anyway yeah get a few sherbets in your mate you'll be right sherbets. <laughs> um but yeah so um yeah that'll be day one and then day two starts at um well i think the first game starts at 8 30 but it's registration from eight o'clock um and then only four only 45 minutes for lunch on the second day um because i think anthony needs to finish up earlier so that everyone that's traveling can obviously pack up and get out of there at a decent time so uh then it's the um the game five goes from 12 30 till 3 45 um and then yeah kind of pack up let anthony do his thing with all the final scores all the stressful part of it and then uh yeah you got the presentations and everything and hopefully it'll all be done by five o'clock so and by now you, you should have registered yourself for down under pairings which will be yes. very important on the, on the day so if you haven't done it already <laughs> you can get on board get uh get in there and get it done yeah i've seen anthony chasing the last few people already today so um yeah hopefully everyone will be registered by then um because yeah it will be good i've not used it yet for an event but i've heard people talk about it from a few recent events that have used it and said it's really good so um yeah hopefully it all goes smoothly and yeah we'll see taking wargaming into the 21st century yeah well i mean that's the thing these a lot of these systems as well are created by wargamers kind of just for wargamers so um yeah that in itself is a really good awesome way of kind of giving back to the hobby as well for these people that yeah. are like techies and developers and stuff so yeah it's kind of cool like you can check you can uh pair, pair yourself up with your grudge on there and all that sort of thing and confirm it and all that thing it's pretty cool go and see this he hasn't released the lists on the down under pairings yet from what i can see but yeah you can go and see your own list at the moment and um yeah it's cool it's just seems like a nifty little tool so looking forward to using it on the day yeah, cool. Um, should we then go into um, kind of the scoring and everything? Um, or So we're using Malign Sorcery um, at the event. Um, but the cool thing Anthony's decided to do is if you, you basically you can choose a realm um, to get access to the realm spells and the realm artifacts, but you can't mix and match between them. And if you want to use the realm spells, you have to only use the realm spells. So you can't kind of mix yeah. and match between wizards. So yeah. um, it replaces everything. So, like in your case, you're—I don't think you're using them, are you? Because you'd have to give up the legion spells. And it's... yeah, because you get three legion spells for Nagash, and you—I wouldn't be getting that with the uh, with the realm spells. So 
I'd be able to pick one, I think. So that's how yeah, I read I it anyway. I, I don't think, think it's a good trade-off for you. Yeah. There's some cool spells that would definitely go well for Nagash out there, but um, no, I, I think I'm happy with sticking with the laws of the undead. Yeah, and if you did, because you're taking the brooch, you'd have to take Hish? Yeah, I'd have to take light spells, yeah. So, um, Which, yeah, to be honest, I, 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 I didn't I even look good. at. <laughs> I think yeah. that's quite good, because most people just choose the realm for the artifact they want, but then that might not be, like, the best spells. Um, yeah. Although I think there seems to be a fairly common theme with people that have chosen the the realms. Um, it seems like fire is quite popular. Um, yeah. It's got Inferno Blades for the plus one damage. Um, yeah. Strong. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to cool be cool. That, it's going to be cool that realms are getting used in some way anyway because we don't tend to use them a lot over mm. here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the way he's done it should be quite good without being too kind of time consuming yep yeah um, but yeah we'll we'll see how it goes yeah definitely and don't forget to bring your three terrain pieces everybody so you need one largest one large medium size so like a, a woods a skull keep obsidian, obsidian archway or similar and then two smaller pieces so Realm Gates or something like that. So I've actually, I'm taking a Numinous Oculum and I've got a Realm Gate and I've got like sort of like a fallen statue, kind of Nagash head statue from um, Dark Fantastic Mills. So they're my three pieces. What do you, do you know what you're taking yet, Chris? Yeah, I'll take the three pieces that, um, they're pieces that Trav made up that I won from um, Liam's event uh, last year. Oh, so nice. um, they're, they're really nice. They're much better quality than anything I've kind of paid painted up myself because obviously they're done by trav so um yeah i'll uh take them along with me and quality um, mm. yes um there's a big there's kind of a big tall piece that's got um like a realm gate on it like a double height realm gate on it um and then there's a big piece that's kind of hills and cliff um and then there's a smaller another smaller piece so it kind of fits with anthony's requirements anyway based on different size pieces so yeah, yeah. that all works yeah. well yeah absolutely so the usual sort of painting um rubric and what else we got do you want to go through scoring yeah sure um so for the scoring you've got your usual kind of yeah army lists and everything being um, submitted on time. Anthony is uh, interesting. He always puts this little thing in for making sure people have read the pack, which is why anyone checking out the lists will have seen that quite a few of them have named characters, like all their characters have been named, which isn't that common yeah. um, <laughs> because it's worth an extra point. So everyone that's read the pack has done that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's worth one tournament point. Um, and then yeah, major victories are worth 12, minors are worth 9, draws worth 6, and then um, hidden agendas being achieved is worth up to 2 points, and then sports is up to 4 points a game. Mm -hmm. um, but then interestingly, it's got, if you, do, if you don't bring terrain, it's minus 1 tournament point per round, um, and then inappropriate behaviour is minus between 1 and 5 per round, so... I don't think we'll see that, but it's interesting that he's put in the kind of conditions that he can obviously heavily penalise anyone that is being a bit of a dick. 
Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so he's got, um, if your army list has then been submitted in the correct format, you've got four points. Um, the painting rubric is fairly standard across Australian events these days, so it's between 15 and 25. So anything that's being accepted as tabletop <clears throat> standard will get 15. And then there's obviously an additional kind of series of points that are available um, to take you up to 25 where it gets capped. Um, which is a good change because I think originally it was out of 35 and it was uncapped. And I think that could have actually seen some pretty significant swings um, towards the people that are obviously um, much stronger painters. Because um, I think it would be, I, I don't think I'll even get the 25. So um, if it being out of 35 uncapped, I think that would have hurt quite a lot of people. Um, I think Anthony got a bit mm. of feedback. And um, yeah, it's kind of good to see that he's he's updated that um so then uh yeah you've got minor losses then being worth three and a major loss being worth zero which is fairly standard um and then tertiary objective again is up to two points available so yeah. um basically if you're managing because you've got the main mission and then two secondary objectives to try and achieve in each game just to really try and spread the pack i guess um so it means your games are going to be out of um, 12 points if you get a major win and then another four points if you achieve your hidden agenda and your tertiary objective. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously you'll be getting your sports points per game, hopefully up to four. Um, yeah. And you get doctor point if you get like, if you arrive late. <laughs> yep. Which I think is, yeah, Anthony's just doing the, the sports in a slightly different way, I think, to others. But, um, yeah, yeah, it all... It essentially will work the same way. Um, interesting to see it as minus points rather than just you get these things given as additional points. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to see his sheet. Um, there's loads of awards. We're not going to go through all that stuff. Um, the hidden agendas are coming from the um, Games Workshop official list of secondaries. Um, and then I'm not sure what the tertiary objectives are going to be um, because they come from Anthony. So I think he's going to go around and hand them all out um oh, they're, oh, no, they're, they're, on the, they're on the battle pack that's right they're, they're in the players the, pack yeah yeah they're in the they're with the scenarios themselves battle plans sorry yep <clears throat> so that's good they're all known at least what everyone's going to have to do other than the selecting the hidden agendas um which is interesting because they are going to be hidden as well um yeah. and then yeah we're as james already mentioned we're using down under pairings so everyone should be registered um and then, yeah, I think that's kind of it, really. Um, everything else is standard, really, the painting rubrics and and stuff yep. like that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If... Some of the um, some of the hobby awards I find quite interesting. Like, there's obviously there's the usual best painted judged, best painted um, coolest army, um, which is judged, and then there's the online favorite only. So, it's something a little bit different. Oh yeah, that's uh, cool. So, so judge one online poll and award to the army used at the event with the highest number of votes within a twenty four hour period. Uh, including spells, units, allegiance, terrain. So it's kind of an online poll, which is cool. Uh, world so I'm creator. I have to get out my. Uh, so I'm going to have to use my social media <clears throat> influence account. <laughs> yeah. To hopefully yep. get some vote, vote, votes for the Skittles Ginks. Yeah. And there's uh, World Creator. So that's uh, that's the terrain award. AOS influencer. So this is the people using the um, Sydney GT19 hashtag on Twitter and Instagram. So um, it's award for the for our for the favorite um social media influencer and obviously there's there also the best narrative so 
uh, strongest army narrative submitted um, prior to Sydney GT. So that's for for those of you who like writing um, detailed narratives for your list. This is for you, and yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's good to see a bit of variation and difference in some of the awards, um, which makes this uh, event unique. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and also the, the Meta Breaker Award. I find that interesting. Um, people who choose, I think it's a, with an, an unusual quirky army that also achieves a solid record, so three plus wins. Um, so the tournament um, organizers will determine um, what qualifies for that. And <laughs> there's uh, best club performance, which is cool. So clubs must have at least four players to be eligible for the awards. So that's the club with the highest average tournament points at the end of the tournament. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of swag up for grabs. Tons of um, it's like quite a few sponsors on board. So like, which is really cool to see. And biggest one, obviously, being Games Workshop getting on board. Huge, um, huge, huge thing. Um, it's good to see Games Workshop getting behind um, the tournament scene here in Australia. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of other cool stuff in there. Heralds are sponsoring Dark Fantastic Mills, um, just to name a few. But, um, yeah, overall, solid pack. Um, it's going to be a fantastic event. Really looking forward to it. I missed out last year because I was away with work, but I'm back and I am keen. <laughs> keen hmm. is to is an understatement. <laughs> keen as mustard. Yeah, cool. we're going to be uh, absolutely flat out, like like on our asses by the end of the day. Like, <laughs> like yeah, after, but then you, like you la- hang last out, week, yeah. you hang like out the, in the evening, and it all, oh yeah, 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 it all goes away. <laughs> yeah. But like we were pretty knackered after our two games last week. Yeah. But then we got home and it was fun. <laughs> cool. Oh, and there's negative achievements. We didn't mention that. So each round a negative achievement will be announced. So that's the one I think you might have been thinking of. Um so negative achievements will be announced um by the tournament support team with prizes immediately available for the first winners. So an example of yeah, so I think Anthony Anthony did these last year. So he just suddenly at mm-hmm. the start of the round, like shout out, first person to double one a charge, come see me <laughs> and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's cool. That's yeah, really it's cool. fun. It kind of it helps alleviate some of the anguish you may be feeling when the dice <laughs> let you down suddenly. Um, yeah. So you yeah, know, it's funny. Yeah, it's cool. 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 Um, right. Should, should we, we go, go through... through the scenarios? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So first day, we are in the realm of metal. Of Shaman. Shaman. Yeah. So we're all going to be um, hanging out with Michael. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing I don't think we mentioned with the realms is it's taking place in two across two realms. So all the games on Saturday are taking place in Shaman, and then both the games on Sunday are taking place in Akshi, um, the Realm of Fire. So um, that's mm-hmm. cool. It means that there's a little bit of Realmscape stuff, but not loads that you have to kind of be flicking through. Um, and also Anthony has already like um, pre-selected the Realmscape features um, and like the Realm spell, no, Realm yeah. command. Um and yeah, and the realm spell, and he's kept 
the realm command and the realm spell fixed in each of the games across those realms so again you only need to know the one for all three games the first day and then the one for both the games the second day it's just the um realmscape feature that changes between the games but again anthony's pre-selected them so i think it should take some of the bookkeeping um out of it and anthony's also providing copies of those um realmscape features and spells he's cut he's they're all printed out in the scenarios um and all all the tables are going to have those booklets already so that will that's a big help um to people so you're not flicking through malign sorcery ghb like all this stuff together you can just use anthony's pack yeah yeah it's solid which i think is i think to be honest i think that's almost essential um to any event that decides they're going to use the realm spells i think the to has to basically take it upon themselves that if they want to use malign sorcery in realm spells then they have to be providing that incorporated into their kind of their pa- their player booklets or something like that because yeah. otherwise there's just too much onus on all of the players to do it themselves and as much as you could do that i think it would suck because if some for every person that does take the effort to do it themselves there'll be someone that doesn't and it all it takes is the one person to not have the stuff printed out that it even if their opponent has printed it out it will just slow everything down if they're trying to look in their own copies so i think it's really good that anthony's recognized that he needs to have all that stuff kind of pre prepared and included for everyone yeah yeah definitely so you got your secondary objective so first first up in the pack not in any particular order is um star strike and so we all know how star strike works and it's using the new 2019 so it's where you've got that grid and it can uh, come down in any one of those uh six inch spaces on your side or their side and on the center um but the secondary objective is after choosing sides before deployment you that's your hidden agenda so obviously you pick your secretly choose your hidden agenda and they're a secret not shared with your opponent till the end of the game because i know that sometimes there's a bit of ambiguity over okay i've picked my secondary do i tell you now do we declare it now or sometimes it's not um, quite clear what to do um so this is good that it's been um you know, kind of spelled out <laughs> how to do that process so that's cool um yep. tertiary objective score one point if you control the objective market in your opponent's territory at the at any point at the end of any of your turns you score two points instead if you're if you control the objective marker in your opponent's territory at the end of the game with a unit with battle line battle roll cool so your battle your battle line units going to count in this um, particular point scoring so yeah i think he's done that across all of them i think you get a reward if it's using battle line or um i think one of them's a hero or a monster or something um but yeah it's good that there's kind of a that's why it's zero to two um yeah because it's zero or zero or two because you can get one um but yeah if you go that extra mile and you're just dominating then you get that too <laughs> it's I suppose in yeah. that particular situation but yeah put your 30 plague monks out there you'd be right <laughs> <laughs> um Duality of Death, second in no particular order. <laughs> yep. Um, 
so yeah, we should probably say it's adapt or die is the realm command for all these three. Um, yep. So it's basically just um, you can do it at the start of the hero phase and you get a six up shrug save basically until the next hero phase. Um, the realm spell is transmutation of lead. So um, that's the one where you're halving the move of enemy units. And then if they've got a decent save, then you get to reroll hit rolls of one against them as well. Yeah. Um, so that's across both scenarios. So then for duality, uh, again, Anthony's using the 2019 versions of all of the scenarios as well. So the most up-to-date new ones. Um, so this will be interesting because it's um, got the, I haven't played this yet. It's got the, the split deployment. So the four corners of the board, which would be quite cool. Um, and this one is uh, Rust Plague is the Realmscape feature. So on a six up, you can subtract one from save rolls for a unit for the rest of the battle, which is interesting. Um, Ooh, for the rest of the battle. Yeah. And it doesn't say that the same unit can't be picked more than once. So if you yeah. manage to roll a six and then another six, potentially, I think, according to this, you can get the same unit down to minus, yeah. minus two save. Um, wow. But yeah, so this one is um, obviously scoring the objectives with hero or battle line. So I've not played it since it's changed to hero and battle line um, yeah, so that's mm. going to be interesting i say interesting because some of the armies out there like daughters of cain hagnar with marathi and um and 60 sisters of slaughter as battle line i think will be pretty horrible if someone has to go against that um <laughs> but yeah we'll see um because they can basically just take it and whoever gets first turn, that'll be game over, I think. Um, and I, I, as someone that's quite high drops, I'm concerned about that one because my opponent just gets onto it and I just can't kill them. Um, but we'll see. And so the secondary objective is, as we said, you pick it each time. And then the tertiary for this one is score one point if you have a unit wholly within your enemy's territory at the end of the game that did not start off the table or was removed from the table by any means during the course of the game. So you can't do any kind of setup um, or anything like that. You're literally going to have to run a unit from your deployment zone to their deployment zone across the course of the game and mm. keep it alive. Um, and if it's a battle line unit, then you get two points. So nice. that'll be quite, that'll be quite interesting. Um, and then the third scenario um, for day one uh, is relocation orb. Do you want to go through this one, James? Yeah, sure. So obviously, adapt orb die, transmutation of lead, and the realmscape feature for this will be irresistible force. So if a casting roll is a double after rerolls, but before modifiers, it's successful. So any doubles. So um, then after the, so that means it's irresistible force so it can't be unbound so you could roll a double one and you got it um and after the effects of the spell have been carried out each unit within three inches of the caster suffers one mortal wound so that will include gash. so that will yeah that will include the caster themselves and um, this is the scenario where for anyone that has to play against zinch with the lord of change i'm really sorry because every single spell they cast will guaranteed be a double and you can't unbind it um Ugh. the one the one point of solace i guess is that they'll slowly kill themselves yeah um because they take a mortal <laughs> wound after casting every single spell yeah um, it's a lot of a lot of um yeah a lot of spells to go through but there's a there's a lot of power in <laughs> in that knowing that they um they can do whatever they want with impunity they can't be unbound they can't fail um so yeah. they'll 
yeah, if there's anyone out there with Zinch lists with the Lord of Change, they'll be able to definitely bully in this scenario with that Realmscape feature. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to use it. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's a big deal. Cool. And yeah. yeah, the orb, so it's obviously the new one with the, the fancy um, sort of swirly shapes of where to go. Um, have you played this one before, Chris? The new uh, one? Yeah, I played it. I played it once. It's um, it's easier to follow. It looks, it's it looks, yeah, it looks weirder than it actually is. They've just yep. done curves, uh, I think, to try and clearly separate the lines rather than doing straight lines. Um, yep. But actually, it's yeah, it's pretty easy where it goes. Yeah. I think the easiest thing for this is to measure out at the start of the game um, the five places the orb can go and then basically just um, like put the objective markers down, like put five objective markers down and then just have yeah. some way of <clears throat> denoting which yeah. where the actual orb is. And I think it will speed up the game massively. And it also, it's just easier. It makes you and your opponent aware of kind of where you should be looking to be um yeah because you can see Sorry. where the orb can bounce to so yeah a bit of a tip for anyone playing it um i'd at the start of the game measure out all five locations um and then yeah just use a use a marker or something on top of an objective marker to identify where the actual orb is yeah and it'll speed up your games it'll stop you having to constantly re-measure um where the orb's moving to um because you'll already have those objective markers on the battlefield and you'll just be able to say, okay, it's it's gone to this one. Yeah. And it's, again, if you control the objective in the um, second turn of the current battle round, you get three points. And you only get one if you've controlled it in the, in the current, in the first battle round. First turn of the of the battle round, sorry. Yeah. So that, um, do I go first? Do I give the turn kind of scenarios? Layer that with your um, endless spells. <laughs> A lot of interesting decision making in this um, particular uh, battle plan. Yeah, I, I quite like it. like it though. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it can't it can't bounce as randomly um, anymore, like as negatively. It can't continually bounce. Um, it just goes to one of two places each time, so it's a lot easier to kind of plan for. Yeah. And don't forget that um, for control of the orb, uh, so each hero with an artifact of power and each wizard that is within three of the within three inches of the objective counts as twenty models instead of one. So don't forget that one either. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, should be good. <laughs> Nagash, twenty models. Yeah, you'll be fine. Nefarata, twenty Nagash, models. Nefarata, yeah, you're good. Well, I've only got the two. That's and then yeah. you've got your. Got your wraith with oh, a the wraith with art. the um, artifact, so yeah, all good, covered. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, let me be eating my words next week. Um, it'll be fun. This, this week. Oh, this week, yeah. <laughs> uh, so tertiary objective is score one point if you slay an enemy hero by the end of the third battle round. And score two points if you slay two or more enemy heroes by the end of the third battle round. Um, if your opponent only has one hero, score two points if you slay that model. There you go. Kill the heroes, which is pretty much what you'll be doing anyway in this scenario. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice little, nice little bonus there. A Brucey bonus. Yeah. Um, 
Cool. cool. So that mm. is the three scenarios that we'll be playing on Saturday, all in the realm of Shaman. Um, so then the second day in actually, so you've got focal points, which I think is still probably one of the best scenarios. I love um, this scenario. If, yeah. If not the best, because there's loads of objectives, they're worth different points. There's like <clears throat> movement around for it's rewarding you if you control opposing objectives. So they start and obviously that, that involves taking them off your off your opponent um and holding your own and like um yeah i really like the scenario i think it's really good um i think it can move back and forward because there's so many objectives you often can't defend them all yeah. solidly so you might be able to take them but then probably your hold on them is quite weak so your opponents can grab them back off you so um yeah i, I really like this scenario i think it's a really good one yeah, that was the second um, game that we played last week. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the main issue for me is I do always try and take all of them and I do spread myself <clears> a bit thin. And I think sometimes you should just hold two in the middle yeah. and you, you win. Um, or even try and, do, at least if you, yeah, try and hold maybe one or like try and hold that center one and maybe another one, just at least then you're de like denying, denying them the extra points yeah can play that game um but yeah so uh the realm command for the is firestarter so this one's a bit interesting it's a bit wordy um you can do it it's a command ability you can do it at the start of your movement phase so you pick a terrain feature that's within 12 of a friendly hero and within three of another friendly unit and roll a dice on a four up it's set a light if it's set alight for the rest of the battle any unit with models in or on it at the end of the movement phase suffers d3 mortal wounds and in addition, a model cannot see another model if a straight line drawn from the center of its base to the center of the other model's base passes across this terrain feature. So you can create essentially wild woods like line of sight blocking terrain by using this, which yep. you might see some people do some really clever stuff with this if they're playing against shooting armies and stuff. Um, yeah, it might, might be worth an expenditure. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Um, and then the realm spell is the classic fireball. So cast on a five up. Um, 18 inch range if the enemy unit takes uh, consists of one model it takes one mortal wound two to nine it's d3 and if it's 10 or more models it takes d6 um yeah it's cool so they're well, both they're in both that's in both games um and then the realmscape feature for focal points is um geezers of boiling blood so at the start of each of your hero phases you roll dice on a six up a geezer explodes so if it does you pick a point on the battlefield and roll a dice for each unit within six of that point on a four up, they take D3 mortal wounds, but on a six, they take D6 mortal wounds. Ouch. So that could be, that could potentially be really strong. Um, be be like a couple would, of ge geezers everywhere. A couple of exploding. Geezers. That would be geezers horrible. Ex exploding. That would be horrible against me because I have so many like heroes and stuff all clustered near each other. I reckon um, there's going to be a few geezers there this weekend. Yeah, there'll be a lot of geezers there this weekend. Especially getting around the bloody Bulldogs Club. <laughs> yeah sorry james um pick a geyser of boiling blood there you go um no, ever, to everyone, see. everyone loves yeah. a good geyser don't they um but yeah so the tertiary objective for this one is you score one point if you control at least three of the objectives at the end of any of your turns but you score two points if you control at least three and two of them are in your opponent's territory so yeah um 
it, the interesting thing is the the one points are always just at the end of any of your turns you get it and then the two points are always at the end of the game so i think yeah. one thing i just I, I, I might need to clarify with anthony whether you have to like choose or is it a case of if at the end of any of your turns you meet the criteria you've got the one no matter what and then it's just a case of okay now can you achieve the second part of it by the end of the game yeah, like if you you score up that first one, like in this situation, like you push forward, you get your your two opposite ones in the center. Immediately, you've got an extra point at the end of your turn. Then at the end of the game, um, oh sorry, instead, so it's instead of. So if you click control at least three of the markers at the end of the game, and two of them are in your opponent's territory, yeah. So it just supersedes that one point. If you don't get, if you don't get it, the end of game. Um, tertiary then you just get that one point if you achieved it before okay oh yeah Yeah. i just wanted to i wasn't sure if you had to kind of like nominate whether you're gonna like essentially cash 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 it in at the point like if okay yeah Yeah. do you have to say like in the game okay i'm just gonna claim the one point um and then if you do that can you not get the two i imagine you're right though you just if you get the one you get the one and then if by the end of the game you achieve the two you get the two instead yeah that's it yeah cool that's it um, so then that brings us to the last scenario, James. So we've got Knife to the Heart. So again, Fire Starter Fireball and the Realm Skate feature is Flaming Missiles. So improve the rend characteristic of missile weapons by one, while the range from the attacking unit to the target is more than 12. Uh, Gaze and Nagash, there's no, I can't improve the rend on Gaze and Nagash. It's only a 12 inch. Yeah, I, all, oh. as if those. As if those long strike lists weren't horrible enough. They're going to love this scenario. They're going to be rend three. Oh, God. Awful. Yeah. Although my skink blowpipes, watch out. They're going to be rend one. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, uh, is there anything different for control of objectives for this one? I think it's heroes, isn't it? Let's double check. No, I think it's just standard. No, it's a standard, but you just you win it immediately, starting from the third battle round if you control both objectives. Knife to the heart, yep. Yep. So there you go. Big the big so, um it's a good one to have at the end of if that is the end one, I think that's a be a good one. Because it can be over fairly quick and help um finish uh, I think it will be round four, if I'm honest, just to try and split the pack a bit. But I actually don't think it's a great one for the last round because you potentially might know that if you get like if you're ahead on secondaries or whatever you might know that like a minor win is enough to win the event and then it can just become a very much a non-game okay yeah yeah, I see um, point, yeah. so i actually think it will likely be the other way around um to be honest i'm thinking more on like fatigue levels you're just gonna want to just okay let's do this <laughs> but uh yeah i think you're right though but yeah, we'll see. Anthony might choose to do it in the order that it's in the pack. But um, yeah, I, I think personally, it's probably better to do knife as game four, and then because mm. um, you don't want to use knife in the first or maybe even the second round because it yeah. is the scenario that can split the field. And the first round is a complete random draw or grudges. And yeah. by the second round, you probably haven't had enough time to establish where the field is anyway. Um, yeah. So, but by round four. I think that's a perfect time to play nice. So I think that's exactly what Anthony's done it. So I think it's a really smart choice, um, especially because he has got 110 players and only five rounds. You can see that Anthony's aware of 
that in what he's done across the pack by adding secondary and tertiary objectives. Mm. Um, he's aware that he needs to have other things to um, split the field and be able to crown one ultimate winner um, because the, the last thing you want is two people that ultimately have done exactly the same and it to come down to something like kill points or something, um, which I don't think it will. Um, and yeah, he's he's been really smart in terms of the the tertiary objectives and also just the scenario selection and the timing of it um, yeah. because it, it can make a big difference. So yeah, cool. Well done. So, um, yeah, absolutely, man. Like top points for the the pack and scenarios. I think it's um, excellent. It's like world class. Uh, so tertiary objectives score one point if you. If you have a unit holly within your enemy's territory at the end of the game that did not start off the table or is removed from the table by any means during the course of the game <clears throat> and score two points instead if the unit described above has the battle line battlefield role cool pretty self-explanatory it's good it's good because they yeah, the territories so... they kind of shoehorn in nicely with what you'd kind of would be doing already in the game um so they're tailored nicely to that so it's a it's good. I think it, I don't, at first I thought it might be a bit hard to, you know, you've got your hidden objective and then you've got tertiary objective at first, like, um, like cognitively, I was just like, Oh, it's too many extra things to think about. But when you actually think about it, um, and it, you know, digest it a bit, it's like it shoehorns in very nicely. So it actually probably shouldn't be too hard to, um, score these tertiaries. You're kind of just doing it by default in a lot of the cases, I reckon. Yeah. And I mean, that one, actually doesn't have to be that hard because if you look at the territories on this one you can deploy right up to it in the corner but your opponent's probably never going to put models there yeah. so it's going to be one where they're going to know that you're because you're both trying to achieve the same tertiary as well so anything yeah. you do anything you do your opponent can just do as well and have like, like a little um little like trying to trying dogs, to be sneaky dogs versus skink fight in the corner or something like just yeah. to or, you, or you might both just consciously be like well fuck it i'll i'll let him i'll get my tertiary he can get his tertiary <laughs> because <laughs> you'll both know what each other's doing if you just run a unit over into a corner um yeah although it's funny because you can't teleport they have to have actually moved there um and so if you leave a unit there because it has to be by the end of the game right um, uh yeah so it, it has to still be there so it'd be quite funny if someone does have a teleporting unit and someone's been leaving their like battle line unit just in the corner that they've run their all game and they don't have anything else that they can get there in a turn and then on the last turn of the game their opponent just goes yeah, yeah gonna gonna take that unit out it's like the perfect thing for chameleon skinks exactly they just go <laughs> oh you had a unit no <laughs> just take the chameleon skinks just for that scenario i don't yeah i haven't done the chameleon skinks for for uh, this <laughs> tournament so they're game winning those little they are uh, amazing and i should have prioritized yeah. them but yeah i haven't <laughs> well, do you think um, people are really going to be contesting or trying to deny these tertiaries? Maybe by the end, like towards the end, you might get some, maybe the top table guys might be considering that in their tactics. What do you reckon? Maybe. Like I say, yeah, if, you, if you're playing that last game and you know... You know there's like, like a couple of points between you or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you might see people really trying to deny... Swing um, the battle in a different direction <laughs> and stuff. It's because that's the one thing that's interesting. Because while we're talking about packs and secondaries and denying or whatever, that's something that CanCon has done in the scoring for this year. Is they've actually got 
you get more points if you achieve your secondary and you deny your opponent getting theirs. Oh, yeah, Whereas yeah. for Sydney GT, That's there's cool. no there's no impact on uh, if your opponent scores theirs or not. It's yeah. just did you did you get yours? You get the points, um, and it doesn't matter what your opponent does. So you might see people just being like, okay, well I've got mine. I don't really care if they get theirs. It's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be funny to see the people that are like, no. You're not getting anything like I, I think from listening to him, Tubbs Tubbs enjoys completely seal club, uh, seal pupping, seal pup clubbing uh people and he'll he'll do what he can to stop people achieving this if he's stomping <laughs> if he them, I think. Yeah. Oh just um something occurred to me. Um so the tertiary objective points, they go to your game points, in game points, or is it to- tournament points? No, tournament points. Okay. So it's not gonna affect the your game point tracker. No. Game point tracking. No, no. Okay. Cool. So they add to your like major wins worth 12, secondaries worth another two, yep. tertiaries worth another two, or up to two. Okay, cool. Just so um, if, just so occurred to me then, so I thought I'd just double check that. Yeah, all out, you can get 18 points for a game. Yeah, it's not, yeah, okay, cool. That's not going to affect your, your objective scoring points. Yeah, cool. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. cool. Good. That'd be interesting if it did, though. Could um oh, swing things be a bit of a one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're winning, but you're winning the scenario by one. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna get my tertiary. Tertiary. You, Two, I win. Win. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> wow. Cool. So that's uh, Sydney GT. Just a quick rundown of the pack and battle plans. Is there anything else you want to add, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're not going to go through the lists. Um, Anthony has published a full document of all the lists, and also um, through his uh, YouTube show, Liam, his co-host, um, actually did a kind of list review show a couple of days ago at the time of recording um, with yep. guests, last year's winner of Sydney GT, Hayden, and um, Randy um, Tautal, tomb, the real Tomb King. Um <laughs> Although I think Dan might say otherwise if they play yeah. this weekend. Um, <laughs> but he, they did a, a review of some of their favorite lists um, from the event. And Anthony has now put up his show as a podcast. So if you want to just listen to that, then you can now search AOS Coach on any kind of podcast apps you use. Um, it's um, Podbean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, so, um, or just iTunes on the um, podcast app. You just search AOS Coach and that will come up. Um or if you watch on YouTube, then you can just find it on YouTube and watch slash listen to that show. Um, and that's where you'll get kind of some insights to um, to the lists and commentary on some of the ones they've selected. Because um, obviously yeah. there's a hundred odd players going, so we're not going to go through them all. Um, but yeah, I, and honestly, at two and a half K, it's really hard to pick it um, because you can read so many lists and go, oh, that's gross, that's gross. And then you're like... <laughs> Everyone's Actually, taking that, gross. That's gross. That's gross. That's gross. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a really strong list, and it'll a lot of it's going to come down to matchups and yeah, um, armies and scenarios and tertiaries and realmscape features and everything. So um, yeah, it'll be cool. I'm like I say, I'm not trying to like do really well or anything this weekend. I actually just want to enjoy myself and relax and have fun. And my anyone that plays me will see what i'm talking about um on the weekend i'm going to keep that a little bit quiet but yeah i'll be um i'll be pretty chill and trying to make it fun for 
for all of my opponents um, when I'm trying to summon all the skinks in the world and <laughs> and kill their stuff with snakes. I'm going to try and make it fun for them at the same time. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully it'll just be good. I'm just looking forward to having a drink. And it, it was real motivation for me to just get a whole of my, one of my armies that I've had for a while, just kind of sitting unassembled and unpainted for a while to smash it out and get it painted. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good. How about you? Are you trying to go for any specific awards? Are you trying to do well in the game? Are you um, trying to put your army out yeah, for painting? Look, like you normally do. Yeah. Just look, I just see how I go with, um, with painting stuff. Like I'm, I'm not too focused on, on anything really. <laughs> like I just want to like very much similar sort of mindset um, to you. I just want to go and have some fun. So uh, that's why I've taken the list I've taken. I'm just going to have some fun with Nagash. <laughs> so either, you know, might win a few games. I'll be happy if I win two, three. I'll be stoked if I win four. <laughs> I'll be really surprised if I win five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be like shocked if I win four, to be honest. And I'll be happy if I win two with the list. And I'll be like, you know, satisfied if I um, win three. <laughs> but I, I think yeah. I'll be happy. I think I'll be happy if I win three. Um, and I'll be, I'll be pleased if I win four. Um, like, surprised, surprised, pleased if I win four. And yeah. yeah, I'll be, I'll be shocked if I win five. <laughs> yeah, I kind of threw my hat in into the into the competition for the, uh, the influencer. So I made like a little movie trailer style uh presentation of my army kind of thing oh, that's so, right. so i threw that on twitter and um and insta last week so hopefully that still carries over maybe i should um boost it or do another do another one but um yeah that's kind of i've kind of thrown my hat in for that a bit um hoping for some some kind of um painting nom but you know my army's been around the block a few times so i think there's and you know got <laughs> Uh, you got guys like uh, she's Trav. she's a loose she's a loose old gal now she's a loose old gal now she's uh she's had a lot of runner-ups she's a she's a bit uh <laughs> she's, she's a bit worn village, out she's like the village bicycle everyone's had a ride <laughs> yeah she's like the um well, my mommy my is like the um the bridesmaid of painting awards pretty much <laughs> don't be but, silly um, you've won you've won you won best painted ipswich gt yeah oh yeah yeah well that was yeah, yeah. judges yeah and, just floated to the top of the pile on that occasion. <laughs> no, you didn't. Ah, uh, stuff. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I'm kind of, I kind of, I feel like we have a good chance for best club performance with um, with Dan yourself. Oh, that's um, right. We haven't we haven't really talked about that. Yeah. So the best club performance. So um, um, you yeah, know, I think we have a decent enough chance there with the four of us. So we got your. Yourself, Dan, um, and Brent with his free peoples, or now cities, cities of Sigma. So it'll be his first run with cities. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what... Well, no, it's still free people. Oh the, no, my bad. Yeah, no, the yeah. Book absolutely. Wasn't out. absolutely right. Um, the book wasn't out in time before listening. No, no, and... yeah, yeah. Retract that comment. Um, no, I was actually thinking ahead to Runax because he's um, he's uh, trying to figure out what he's going to take to Runax now for cities. So, but um. Yeah, no, it'll be his last hurrah with uh, Free Peoples with Stand and Shoots, um, all the lovely Stand and Shoots shenanigans with his crossbows. So I think he's got some um, some good matchups. He'll uh, he'll come out on top, I think. But um, yeah, 
we'll see how we go with the best club. But um, you know, we're up against a lot of very good players across a lot of different um teams. Uh, so I think that's going to be hotly contested. <laughs> yeah. So that so just that best club performance is a cool thing that Anthony's doing. Where even though it's a singles event, what he's done is everyone can register themselves as part of a gaming club or team like you get at most events. Um, but with this one, he'll actually be then taking the aggregate combined like average score um, of those clubs. So obviously the more people are registered, the more their scores are going to get divided um, so that it's kind of the average per person for that club. And the best club will, um, in terms of overall performance, will get a prize for best club, which is cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got the four of us going for, we'll see how we do. Um, I, I'm, I'm confident from the three of you that we'll get good painting points. Um, sorry, I'll let you down there a little bit uh, oh. with my contrast army. But um, no, no, I think it's... Um, I'm hoping that it can... The rainbow is fine. The rainbow yeah, is I'm, I'm hoping that just because it's <laughs> so bright and eye-catching that it scores, that it gets more attention than it deserves from a technical point of view. Yeah, like in the cool, coolest army sort of um, vein. Yeah, or, even, got, or maybe even the online a, in the online. Um, yeah, I need to post that up because I have been posting a lot of progress pictures and stuff as well with a hashtag that I've already got for the army that I've been posting for a couple of months now. Um, so we'll see if I can get a bit of a following for online, and I'm gonna be posting over the weekend. Um, like I say, I'm gonna be trying to make it fun for my opponents and yeah. stuff. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how I can go in the uh, online influencer thing. I probably won't compete with Randy, the fruit tingler, because <laughs> he'll probably just repeat his performance at uh, Lord of War and just drink all the fruit tingles in the world and tweet about it and uh, win the award. <laughs> yeah, with a blue tongue. <laughs> yeah, he'd do well in my army, actually. They're all blue tongue lizards. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, um, shall we wrap it up there? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll probably have a shorter break between episodes um, this time from the last one because um, we'll yeah. try and record pretty soon after Sydney GT to do our kind of wrap-up show. And yeah. then I think we're going to do an, our next show after that will either be a hobbyist highlight show again um, or we're going to do um, maybe a pack kind of in the lead, um, sorry, a show all about the, the CanCon pack and our preparations in the lead up to that, I think. Yeah, definitely. Might even throw a bit in about Runax as well. Yep, true. Yeah, I think James might do a separate episode kind of on his on his lonesome or with me, um, just listening along, hearing all the the fun and um tales from Runax. Um, <laughs> get Brant on and Dan on, and you can all talk about. Yeah, yeah. I could uh, get the wet. So we're going up as the wet palette warriors. So it's um Clint, Travis, Brant, and myself, uh, wet palette warriors. So See if I can wrangle a, an episode with with those guys. Yeah, so it might be a combined mortally wounded heralds uh, show for the yeah, just, just throwing it out there now, Clint. So if you're listening, <laughs> you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, you can um, best place to probably f um, you can find me on Twitter um, at wounded mortally. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Duke Kadrick, and that's me. Cool. All right, well, until next time, guys, thanks for listening. Yeah.